You're listening to Comedy Central. My guest tonight is a national correspondent for The Atlantic and a New York Times bestselling author whose latest book is called We Were Eight Years in Power, An American Tragedy. Please welcome Tanahasi Coates. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Back. It's good to have you, man. This is uh, this is fun. Before before we get into the into the book, th- there's a story that came out of the book that I like a side of you that I didn't really know about, uh, a piece of you that I went back and read on, and that was Tanahasi the blogger. You know, you you blogged a lot. You 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 speak in the book about how this is where you forged your writing. Yeah. You know, it was it was your dojo in a way. Yeah. Do you sometimes miss that Tanahasi where you could say whatever you want? You know, there, there wasn't the scrutiny on you. You were just spitting your ideas out there? All the time. <laughs> All the time. Yeah, I mean, I, um... You know what happened last year? Uh, I got... I was doing another interview show, and I got asked who I was voting for. And I said... I said I was voting for Bernie Sanders. And a New York Times reporter called me after that. Right. And it was clear I, like, I couldn't talk in the same way anymore. Like, I just didn't have, like, the ability. I had to, you know, very much weigh... You know how I, because in my mind it's just me talking. It's just right. the guy from West Baltimore talking. He might know, or he might not know, but you know. Then I realized that people don't necessarily see it that way. Well, yeah, it's funny you say that because people see you as knowing everything you put right. down on a page. They see as you knowing, but in this book, what you've done is you've gone back and you've said, "I didn't know, and I should have known, and I wish I would have known." Which, which is an interesting way to go back mm. and look at your life and look at eight years in power. Uh, the book is really looking at Obama's uh, tenure. Right. Looking right. at that time. Right. Am I correct in saying that this is a pessimistic outlook on, on what that out years, uh, on what the, 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 those eight years meant? I don't know. You know, it's, a, it's an odd thing. You know, I'm, I'm a, a journalist. Like, that's, I mean, I, I, I know people don't see that anymore. But, uh, you know, um, my editors never say, you know, well, Ta-Nehisi, you know, when I tell them to go right, is this going to be hopeful? Right. You know, is this going to be optimistic or, or pessimistic? So it's it's hard for me to answer that. As a as a practitioner, it, it is what it was. If that makes any sort of sense, that's like from the aspect of actually creating the thing. Yes. I, I don't think, wow, this is going to be a really depressing story, or wow, this is going to make people feel great. You know, it's it's not really in my mind. I'm trying to get answers. Right. You know, um, and if those answers tend to be depressing, then I think that's because of uh, previous stories that maybe we've told ourselves about the world. That's, that's interesting because I, I've, I've seen a few white people who have said, Tanahasi, how can you condemn this country? You know, they go like, Tanahasi, I mean, I hear what you're saying, and I mean, you're right about the slavery, and you're right about the Jim Crow, and you're right about segregation, and you're right about, you know, mass incarceration, but, but really, is it, is it that bad? <laughs> myself of condemning the country, right? right? Like, I think what it is, is if you believe, if you believe in the American exceptionalist myth, you say America is somehow higher than all other countries, that it's touched by God, that it really is, you know, as we talked about, that city on the hill, right. then yes, I'm condemning it. Yes. I mean, but if you believe as I believe, that it's a society, it's a country established by humans with all the beautiful things and all the flaws that come from being a human being, then no, it's just a story. Right. It's just a story. Would you, like, what if I, what if I presented this to you? What if I said, it is exceptional? What if I went, America is exceptional in the same way Superman is exceptional, but then there is the Clark Kent side 
of Superman. You know, the flaws, the, the, the cracks the, in, in the facade. More, can you, can you be exceptional? It's more like Superman and the Lex Luthor side, like if they were the oh, same wow. person. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you no, know, it's much more like that, right. you know? Um, I, I, I don't know, I think um, there is a heavy missionary impulse that is buried in the American psyche. And maybe it's buried in the psyche of all people, like where they want to believe their country is somehow distinctly more moral or more just than all other societies and countries before. Um, I don't see myself necessarily as saying anything that's, you know, that, right. you know, sort of out there. But I think it does attack that idea that you're somehow, you know, particular, special, different, exceptional. You, you, you take us through each year of the Obama presidency. And it's interesting how the book starts from a place of hope, excitement. Mm -hmm. You know, you talk about how you went with your partner, you bought food, you were cheesing. Yeah. It was like, oh, black times, baby. It was yeah. a good thing. We used a different phrase. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> paraphrasing. That's what I felt, black times. And, black uh, times. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, and then as, as the presidency unfolds, mm -hmm. we, 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 we go through this journey with you. That's really powerful because you take us to a place where in many ways you argue that Obama's presidency and black leadership in any way, shape or form mm -hmm. is in some way contributing to white supremacy, which is a very complicated argument. What, what do you mean when you say that? In well, the I wouldn't quite put it. I would say it's, it's not, you know, like I don't think Obama did anything but be a human being and, you know, go into the office and just happen to be somebody to check black on the census form. It's the reaction to that. Right. It's always the reaction to the ordinariness, to the bourgeoisness, to the middle classness of you know normal everyday black people and how well that accords with what this country claims to value. That, that's always a threat because it automatically undermines the suppositions of white supremacy, which says that black people, you know, don't take care of their kids. Black people, are, you know, are you know always you know killing each other, ending up in jail. Like there's a kind of moral judgment that can always be made on black people. This goes back to, you know, justifications to slavery. And black folks who present themselves, you know, in, in, a, in a particular way as undermining that, it, you know, it, it, it's always a threat to the thinking about white supremacy. I think that's why folks were so offended by Obama. You know, like they couldn't grasp that he was actually black. And so there became this whole other mythology that sprung up around them, most, you know, specifically in this birtherism thing. Somehow he's he, not legitimate. He could not be from here because he's not the black that we believe black to be. Exactly, and there's another word that I cannot use up here, but I think that, that they actually want. That's the archetype of what right. that is. But that he would be black and be human and all the, again, not exceptional, all the normal ways of a human being. Kiss your wife, love your wife, got a dog. You know, two kids, just normal human every day was too much, you know what I mean? And I think that contributed to the birtherism, you know, all the sort of weird conspiracy theories that, you know, sprung up around them. When you, when you talk about the backlash that many people have tried to dissect, looking at the election, um, you, 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 one of your arguments is, in many ways, Trump was a backlash to Obama. Right. Now, I, I, I understand the argument, but I go, was? Mm. Was this a backlash to Obama or was it a backlash to the establishment, to Hillary Clinton, to more of the same? Mm -hmm. Because I mean, Mitt Romney and Donald Trump had the same amount of votes. Mm -hmm. You know, Hillary Clinton mm -hmm. is the person who had fewer votes. Mm -hmm. And so it feels like it was less the people rallying around Trump in the, in the, national, pres mm -hmm. in the national election, more people rallying around him in the, in the Republican nomination. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that, the, like, does it have to be a backlash? Do you think it was a backlash? Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. It definitely was. I mean, you're right, it was a reaction. I think it was, to some extent, a reaction to Hillary Clinton. I think it was a reaction to the fact of having the possibility of a woman president. Right. I think that was definitely there. Um, 
but I've heard you know, people who make this argument about Mitt Romney and Trump all the time as though Mitt Romney and Trump uh, are equal. Uh, Mitt Romney had been governor. He had run for president before. He was a very, very practiced politician. The fact that Trump, who had no experience at all in politics, who said all sorts of outrageous things, who was caught on tape bragging about uh, sexual harassment, was even in speeding distance of Mitt Romney shows you how much the bar was lowered. So the fact that, you know, they somehow, that doesn't prove much to me. He, if, if, he were, if him and Obama were being judged by the same standards, he wouldn't even have been in a race. It's the lowered bar that I think attests to the fact, you know, of, of backlash. When you look at the complicated relationship between white supremacy and misogyny, that's like a very complicated mm -hmm. space to be in, you know, where you go, white supremacy and the oppression of women have been tied together in ways that I, I even struggle to, yeah. to comprehend. How does, how does that play? And have you even taken the time to read through that? Because I know you don't, you don't, you know, you're, you're not a journalist yeah. of everything. Um, there are better people than me that, that, that can right. address that. Um, but I, I think, you know, one, one of the notions that, 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 you know, is always there is the fact that having a black president like, that was a fundamental shift. I mean, you had had a line of white dudes, you know, before him. And then you were going to immediately follow that up w with a woman. You know, I think, you know, it was, it was almost unfortunate that Hillary Clinton had to run after there had been a black president. I mean, you're talking about, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, two big, big, you know, moments of just huge, huge change, I think. Before I let you go, one, one last question. Talking to the idea we were eight years in power, mm -hmm. you draw in the book, many parallels between a time when black people were ruling, mm -hmm. the backlash that came afterwards, and Obama's rule and the backlash that came afterwards. Mm -hmm. One thing you also do in the book, and I don't know if it's coincidental or not, is you also draw parallels in the response to that backlash. Mm -hmm. You have the civil rights movement that comes afterwards. Do you think that in some ways Donald Trump's presidency will be the slingshot that propels America even further forward? Is there a possibility that now, you will have more people engaged in politics, you will have more women who are running for office, you will have more men who are accountable for sexual harassment. Do you think there's a possibility? Yeah, there's a possibility. It also could be the trap door that plummets us into the abyss, so. <laughs> one or the other. One or the other. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying, you know, I've... one or the other, though. I hope when I'm on my deathbed. I'm bed. just having fun now. <laughs> man, I'm just having fun. <laughs> No, man, thank you so much for being here. Always, man. Always a pleasure. We Were Eight Years in Power is available now. It's fascinating. You want to read this book. Ten of Coats, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.